first. Who knows when our next Bible study is? The twenty seventh at what time? Six thirty. Six thirty. Yep. Is that right, Kelly? <laughs> <laughs> I have 5.30 question mark, but I don't know if that yeah. feels like early. We'll, we'll send it out in the parents and board chat. Mm. I feel like 6.30 is too late, but it, that might be right. We've got to talk to the old <laughs> That's right. So look for in the war chat and look for that Bible study update. Um, Johnson County Bible study, when do you guys meet next? Tomorrow night. Tomorrow night. Awesome. There's no Chiefs game, so you're not in danger yeah. of having to choose. To the That's right, fifth straight year. All right, last but certainly not least, who knows when spring retreat is? March, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> March 24th to the 26th. Rashawn got it. Uh, Manny, do you have the? There we go. It's kind of hard to see, but that is Lacine. Is that how we say that? Okay. So it's like an hour away. Um, I don't have the special guest speaker's name yet. That's still, that has not been revealed to me yet. Huh? It's pending. It's pending. <laughs> I'm sure it's going to be really good, whoever he is. Um, but regardless of who's speaking, the Word of God will be preached, and that's what's important. So uh, we really recommend that you guys come to this. This is a time to get away, and just as a ministry um, hear from the Lord. And uh, I don't know about you guys, but some of the best times I've ever had just at Midtown have been at retreats and camps and different things where I don't have any distractions or anything like that, where I'm just sitting with my friends and and now my, my family, my wife, and we listen to the Word of God being preached and we talk about it and we pray about it. So um, don't miss on this, especially because we're getting away this year. Like, sometimes we go to Parkville, sometimes we camp in the back of Jeff's house, like, sometimes... Okay, so today, we're going to be in Psalm uh, 130. Um, the message today is just literally titled, Wait on the Lord, because that's what we're going to be talking about. Um, so as you're turning in your Bibles, I will, um, I'll give you a little info. So, we don't know who wrote this psalm, there's no name given. Um, for who the writer of the psalm is, but a lot of people would attribute it to David, as most of the psalms are. Uh, it's called the Song of Degrees, and um, so we'll read it. We'll just read. I'll read the whole thing, and then we'll pray. It's just eight verses. Uh, psalm chapter one hundred and thirty, a song of degrees. It says, "Out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Lord, thine ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications." If thou, Lord, shouldest mark, shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? But there is forgiveness with thee, that thou mayest be feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul doth wait, and in his word do I hope. My soul waiteth for the Lord more than they that watch for the morning. I say, more than they that watch for the morning. Let Israel hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy, and with him is plenteous redemption. And he shall redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Alright, let's pray. Um, Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time that we get to come and be um, here. Just giving ourselves to you wholly, um, singing worship songs. Um, God, just making today about you and not about us. Uh, Lord, I know these moments are refreshing uh, for all of us here to just hear the word and, and to be encouraged by it and uh, to be challenged by it. So, Lord, um, I'm asking 
for your grace and your mercy in this time as we're here. And God, I'm a man of, of stumbling lips. And Lord, I know that you have a message, and I just pray that that message would um, be communicated. So God, would you set me aside? Um, would you open hearts? And would God, just your word go forth. Um, yeah, Lord, we love you. We praise you it's in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so um, I, I, I mentioned the author because I think it's important that we talk about, when we talk about verse number one, it says, Out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. Um, it's often the context of the author is important when you're talking about something like the depths. Um, if it's David, like I think it is, the depths are pretty deep. Like, I don't know if you guys know David's life or not, but um, David went through a lot of stuff. David went through, um, here, I'll read some of the things. He dealt with threats of murder. He ran for the beginning part of his reign from Saul. David lost several people in his life, including his child. Um, And David saw so much war. Um, Now, some of these things were David's fault. David sinned, and he lost his child as a result. Um... Some of these negative moments in David's life came from when he sinned and when he, when he did disobeyed God, like numbering the people. Um, that was a moment of pride in David's life, and, and a lot of people died because of it. But there are also genuine moments in David's life where he did nothing wrong. God was giving him a time of refining. God was giving him a time of trusting him. Um, and that, that could be where you're at today. As we talk about the deep, as we talk about the depths, um, We'll talk a little bit about depression and uh, some of what this generation is facing. And and whether you have sinned and you're in this deep place, or whether you're just being refined by the Lord, um, just know that God has grace for both of those things. Just like God had grace for David. So, I'll read the first two verses again. Out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let thine ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. Um, so my question is, what about you? As you're here today and you're hearing this message, are you in the depths? Um, depression and anxiety are rampant today, and, and especially in your guys' generation. Like, it's, it's so common to hear things like, I need a mental health day, or I need to do this for my self-care. It's mentioned a lot in my job, at least, um, for teens. Let me give you some statistics. Uh, they should be up on the screen. Depression affects approximately 50 million Americans each year. Um, That's from the CDC. Most Americans say that they have experienced a major depressive episode within the last year. And the CDC defined that as something that was debilitating in nature, like you had to take a day off from work. or uh, There were several criteria, but a major depressive episode was um, one of the criteria in there. The second statistic that I have is this. Globally, one in seven 10 to 19-year-olds experiences a mental disorder, according, accounting for 13% of the global burden of disease in this age group. So 13% of what your, your age range is facing right now is strictly mental disorders, mental health. Uh, and then the last one is suicide is the fourth leading cause of death among 15 to 29-year-olds. And those numbers are, those last two are from the World Health Organization. This isn't just an American problem. This is a worldwide problem. There are people that are in your age range. There are people that are um, maybe even in this class right now who are experiencing the depths. They're experiencing the deep, the dark that um, this author is talking about from the beginning. 
the world is hurting, and as much as we like to say we are all right, the truth is at some point in time, we'll all be in this depths, in this depression that we're talking about right here. Uh, but I want to make a quick note, and this is, this is super important. There's, there's two kinds of attitudes towards depression or being in the depths. Uh, the first one is despair, and that's what we're going to talk about. Um, when I was doing this study, God really reminded me that everyone at some point in time will experience this, but how you respond to um, depression or feeling down or being in a place in life where um, you don't have the answers. You can do one of two things. You can despair, which to despair is to have no hope. It's like this. This task that I'm dealing with is so monumental, I can't do it, right? This task that I'm dealing with is way above my, my grasp. I don't know what it is. Maybe you have a family member who is hopeless. Maybe they're addicted to drugs or alcohol. Maybe um, your family member just absolutely hates church and just won't come. Maybe you're saved and you have a burden for your sibling and there's nothing, there's nothing that will get them to come to church. And you're, and you're in this place of depression about it. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I mean, I can't even speak from the pulpit about all the things that you guys might be facing right now. This world is way messed up. And honestly, they kind of want you to be depressed. Um, but that's another story. The focus, though, in despair is on what you can do and what you can't do. The example that was brought to my mind was 1 Kings chapter 19. So um, we'll, we'll go back just a little bit. 1 Kings chapter 18 is when Elijah uh, kills the prophets. So they go and they have the two um, sacrifices, right? And they said, oh, if it's Baal, if Baal be God, then he'll torch the, um, he'll torch the sacrifice, right? And Baal doesn't, and Elijah wins, and the Lord brings down fire, right? This great moment of victory. And then Elijah finishes by taking the 400 prophets of Baal, taking them down to the brook of Kidron, and he actually slays them. Okay? Now I say that to say this, 1 Kings chapter 19, so right after the victory, we'll read in verse 1. It says, And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and withal how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life, as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. She's talking about the prophets, so she's threatening to kill him right here. And when he saw that, verse 3, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servants there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, and came and sat down under a juniper tree, and he requested for himself that he might die, and said, It is enough now. O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. So we see uh, even a man like Elijah. I don't know if you guys know much about Elijah, but Elijah's raptured. Um, Elijah is like one of the coolest prophets in the Bible. Like Elijah once, uh, God said, hey, pray that it doesn't rain. And he prays, and it doesn't rain. And three years later, God says, hey, pray that it rains, and I'll make it rain. And he prayed, and he made it rain. Like, I don't know if you know what kind of relationship you have with the Lord, but that's a pretty dope relationship. Like, God's like, hey, just pray this thing, and I'm literally going to do it. I'm waiting for you. So anyways, I say that to say Elijah is awesome. And a lot of people believe Elijah will come back at the end times. That's another story. My point is, is that Elijah is really dope. And if you have time, study out Elijah. 
Because he loved God and God really loved him. And I say that to say, even a guy like Elijah experienced depression. Even a guy like Elijah was in the depths. And as we see here, he literally just gets done with this big moment of victory, right? He slays the prophets. He does all these amazing things with the sacrifice. He calls down fire from heaven. We're not talking about some charismatic stuff. It literally happened. He literally called down fire. He saw God work. And immediately, Satan is like, you know what, Elijah? I'm going to kill you. It says Jezebel, but that's directly from Satan. You guys see that, right? And so immediately, Elijah, he's like, crap, I'm dead. Jezebel and Ahab, they're going to kill me. She even evokes this little thing. So let the gods, little g-gods. Well, we know gods aren't real. Those little g-gods, they're not even real. She has no authority. But she's saying, I'm going to kill you. And immediately Elijah's like, crap. I suck. And he's right. He's not able to fight off Ahab and Jezebel and the entire armies of Israel. But we're not talking about his power. We're talking about God's power. He's a prophet of the Almighty God, but immediately he gets focused on what he can do. And he's like, God, you might as well just take me now. I'm not better than anyone. His focus was on himself and all that he couldn't do and was never on what God could do. Elijah was right. He wasn't better. (sighs) Sorry, I lost my notes. There we go. Um... He's absolutely undone by this. And it's like, God, just take my life. He gets depressed and he despairs. This, is a, this to me is like one of the definition of despairs. While despair isn't the right attitude, God still makes provision for Elijah. He brings an angel and he, tell, and, he, and he has Elijah go to sleep and he feeds him. God still provides for Elijah even in his time of despair. Now despair isn't the right heart attitude. But I want you to know that God still has grace even in times of despair. God has grace even when you don't respond to the the issue that you're dealing with appropriately. Um, So the second attitude that we have here is desperacy. So you can either, in these situations, you can despair or you can be desperate. And to be desperate is to know hope. K-N-O-W. So to despair is to have no hope, but to be desperate is to know hope. And our first key point is this. Well, we'll get to that in a minute. So let me explain this. The task is monumental and insurmountable, and I can't do it, but Christ can. That's what desperacy is. The focus is on what Christ can do. I'm in the depths. I'm in this really bad place right now. I'm in a situation that I can't lift myself up out of. Then don't. Let Christ do it. You're in this place for a reason. Desperacy leads to giving your situation over to the one who created everything in the universe. The one who sustains everything in the universe. And so this is our first key point. Be desperate, but don't despair. There's a difference. Mm -hmm. Be desperate, don't despair. So when we talk about the depths, like we're going to talk about here in a minute, we're talking about the despair that this author is going through. We see quickly that he switches to desperacy. Um, A verse that I think of when I think of of desperacy is this. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 through 9. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not in stress. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. This is Paul talking about the apostles who are being persecuted. 
And now I don't know if you know much about the apostles right after Jesus is crucified, but they too are also martyred for their faith. Every single one of them except for John is martyred for his faith. And John, he was exiled. And what Paul says about it is, hey, yeah, um, this is really bad, but we know this, that it's about the power of God and not about us. And because of that, we are troubled on every side. Yet, you know what? We're not distressed. We are perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. And we're cast down, but we're not destroyed. Man, if we had that attitude for everything in life, every situation that we're in, like I know people in this church who I love dearly, but they just have it written all over their face that they're miserable. Some of them do. And I'm like, bro, sis, you literally are loved by the creator of the universe. He sent his son to die for you. Like, like, God made a way where there wasn't a way. In every situation that you're in, God can make a way for you too, even if you don't see it. Okay, so yeah, like, your sibling hasn't been saved in 10 years, okay? Does God not want to save this person? Does God not want to actually see them in heaven one day? I mean, every situation that you can think of, God has an answer for We just have to double down in prayer and be desperate that God would answer our issue and not ourselves. Okay, so look at what David said. Out of the depths, verse 1, have I cried unto thee. I want to make note of this. Have I cried unto thee insinuates that this is not the first time that this has happened. I can't prove it, but, you know, I, I imagine that this is probably the third, fourth, fifth, sixth time that this author is dealing with this issue And he's like, Lord, I've cried unto you multiple times. Um, Okay, just because God doesn't answer your prayer right away doesn't mean you should stop praying that prayer. Uh, D.L. Moody had a quote. I don't have it on here. I forgot to put it on here. Um, It's prevailing. The book is called Prevailing Prayer. And D.L. Moody basically compares prayer to a kid that wants a balloon. And what he says is this. the kid has to keep annoying the mom to get the balloon. The mom's not focused on the balloon. The mom's focused on something else. But the, but the kid, he keeps saying, Mom, Mom, I want that balloon. Mom, I want that balloon. Mom, Mom, I want that balloon. And eventually, the mom relents. Not out of, not out of annoyance, normally. It's out of love for her kid. She wants, he wants that thing, and the mom is willing to give it to the kid. And, and likewise, we have to keep persisting and begging God for the things that we want or the things that we need. One time of asking for the balloon isn't going to do it. <laughs> Why is Mitch laughing at me? Dang. Uh, my point is, is this. If there's something in your life that is really worth taking boldly before the throne of grace, it, it requires it to be taken multiple times. You can't stop it once. And so you're in this place where you feel like you're in an impossible situation and you don't know what's going on. or, um, Yeah, you, you need God's answer. You need God's answer by going to Him multiple times and persisting. So, so here's how I can sum this up. The correct response is this. In this situation, do exactly what the author did. Cry out to God. Seek the counsel of a godly friend or uh, a mentor. Seek the counsel of one of the counselors here. Maybe even um, a person who's gone through this specific trial. Like I think about um, 
people who've gone through previous miscarriages or they've lost a child or they've lost a job or they've lost a house. Like, if you go through one of those situations, you need to go talk to someone who's been through that before and see what they did. See what their faith response was. Because that can make all the difference. It's not if something bad's going to happen in your life, it's when. And then it's how you respond to that. So those are the correct responses. The incorrect response is this. Um, Ball up everything inside. Try to pretend like nothing is going wrong. Not accept help from others and try and find help and satisfaction in this world. You guys, some internally are like, oh, that's, yeah, that's incorrect. But yet, our flesh tries to get us to do that every time. Oh, I'm fine. This situation isn't a big deal. Oh, I'm, I'm okay. I don't, I don't need to talk to anybody about this. My heart's broken. I, I'm, whatever the case is, but, I, but I'm good. It's fine. There's some people in this room or in that room or in big church that will probably never tell people how they truly feel about life how they truly feel about the things that have happened to them. And it's only hurting them. It hurts us, but really, really it hurts their walk with the Lord. I was thinking about this. Uh, Lauren and I had, were coming back from Tampa and our car broke down. And this is the verse that I thought of. We'll, we'll, we'll read the verse in a minute. It's verse 5. But um, I was thinking about this, this message. And, and so we were driving down the highway and literally the car just stops. It just like, it like doesn't work. So I'm like trying to limp it over. It like completely loses power. There's gas that starts coming out of the bottom of our car. And I was like, what the heck, Lord? Like I checked everything before we left. I was like, this is, I don't understand why this car is messing up all of a sudden. So we pull over to the side and there's like semis just whirring by, like just, just, like it's like midnight yeah and there's like they're going like 90 miles an hour i'm like this speed limit's like 65 why are you guys going 90 and i'm like i'm like okay lord i don't know what to do here but i'm gonna get out and i'm gonna check because i'm the man and that's what i do <laughs> <laughs> and it was like 22 degrees i was not sending my pregnant wife out there in 22 degrees to check anything and i get outside this is going to sound like i'm making this up i promise you i'm not i get outside we're next to like a cornfield so there's a cornfield on one side and there's a semi on the other side i get out and i literally hear like 12 gunshots in the field next to me and i look and i can actually see the muzzle like flaring i'm like who's shooting at the highway at midnight in the middle of central illinois I wasn't stealing corn, I promise you. Uh, the, the, the tow truck driver said a lot of people shoot coyotes out there in the middle of the night. But Yeah, so anyways, I didn't know that at the time, okay? So I get out, and I'm like... There wasn't a house. The house was way far away. Anyways, so I start shooting back. No. So anyways, I was blasted. No. I know, I get out, and I hear the gunshots, and I was like, well, I'm getting back in now, because <laughs> what am I supposed to do, you know what I mean? I got my pregnant wife and dogs, anyways, and, and so I have the flashers on, and then, like, the battery dies, because I've been waiting for this tow truck so long, so now it's dark, there's semis going by, there was some bullets flying by just a little bit ago, and I'm like, Lord, I don't know if you think I'm this strong, but I'm definitely not, like, I definitely don't know what to do here, other than pray. And, and verse 5 came to my mind, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But I was literally like, Lord, you have to, you have to defend my family, because I can't. And I don't know if you know this or not, but being a, being a husband and being a future father, the scariest thing for me 
is, is knowing I can't defend my family at that point in time. And anyways, God answered that prayer. They, they, they even told us, like, when I called Geico Roadside Assistance, they were like, it's going to be three hours before a tow truck comes. Wow. This literally sounds like the worst story ever. <laughs> and so Lauren and I did the only thing we knew how to do. It was, it was just pray. And we prayed and we prayed and we prayed. And um, we, my brother-in-law lives close, so he was coming down to pick us up after I called him, and then the tow truck company calls and says, hey, we got somebody, we'll be there in like 15 minutes. It was maybe 30 minutes that we were on that highway, and a tow truck came and picked us up. Now, I, I say that all to say that I w- we were defenseless, essentially. I was so worried that a semi was going to whir by, not pay attention, fall asleep, and just smoke that car, and we were going to be screwed. But God answered that prayer because all we did was cry out to him. I mean, literally the fuel line was broken on my car. So, like, I couldn't move that car if I tried. Um, Well, I pushed it a little bit. But it wasn't enough to go anywhere significant. And I had no answer. And all God reminded me was, it's okay. I have every answer. And that's all I needed. The the car got towed. I got picked up. My, My sister loaned us one of their cars. Like, God answered every single prayer in a matter of minutes, all we had to do was just trust Him. And, and maybe you're in a situation like that where, I don't know, you're stuck and you have no answer and you don't even know where to begin. That's okay. You don't have to unravel all the answers. God does that for you. The only thing you do is you come before Him and you just lay everything down. And what that looks like is, I know this sounds crazy, but... Being vulnerable with the people around you. Like, like there's so much freedom in just saying, you know, I don't have an answer, but I, I'm standing in need of prayer. I can tell you on the side of that highway, I'd have taken any one of you to pray with me at that point in time. Because I needed somebody to strengthen my faith. Because I'm worried. God takes care of everything, especially for His children. Okay, let's move on. Verse 3. Psalm 130, verse 3. If thou, Lord, shouldst mark its iniquity, O Lord, who shall stand? But there is forgiveness with thee that thou mayest be feared. Okay, so, if you're like, man, we were just talking about depths. Why are we talking about sin? So the psalmist is actually recognizing here the grace that God is showing him. And he shows us, right? Like, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And I don't know about you, but I didn't stop sinning after I got saved. I I don't sin as much, but, you know, I'm not perfect. And so, something to note here is that sin is mentioned. Um, The author has resolved for his current condition. Uh, We'll see that in a minute. For right now, he's mentioning his sin as a parenthesis. Um, We aren't talking about the author's sin causing him to be in the depths here. There's no information that says that that his sin is the reason he's in this situation. Maybe he's depressed or downtrodden because of sin. I don't know. But maybe he's in the throes of depression just because life is actually getting to him right now. And because God is refining him. And it's not always caused by sin. If you guys remember the book of Job, Job walked uprightly, right? It wasn't Job's fault that... um, all this stuff happened to him. That he lost his house, that he lost his, his flock, that he lost his whole family. That his wife tells him to curse God and die. It's not his fault. In the whole book of Job, people are trying to accuse him. 
his friends are like, hey, maybe you'd sinned. And like, maybe it's your fault. And Job's like, I don't, I don't think so, man. That's like the whole book of Job. There's a bunch of commentary in there too uh, from his friends. But maybe you're actually just in this place. And it's nothing to do with sin. But I do know this. The grace that's afforded is extremely important in this passage. Here's why. We know that salvation comes by grace through faith alone. It is God's grace and mercy looking upon all who have sinned and choosing to see Jesus' sacrifice covering the ones who have believed in Him. That's what the grace of salvation was. And if you accepted that gift, that grace was extended to you. Um, Let me rephrase that. That grace has been extended to everyone. Some of us have accepted that gift. Uh, Only Christians have, though. Here he recognizes that grace as being what it is. The only thing that is keeping him standing in the presence of God. How can I stand in your presence, Lord, unless you don't count my iniquities against me? That's what he's saying here. That's in verse 3. And in verse 4, he's saying, forgiveness is only by your grace. And that's the only reason I'm able to stand before you or pray before you at this moment. It is by God's grace that we are in Christ. That's positionally. But also, we must walk in God's grace. And that's practically. So you've been given that grace And you're there. So you're in Christ if you've been saved. And that position of grace is amazing. But the practicality of grace, which is um, an everyday thing. I need God to not mark my sin against me every single day. Okay, we're almost done here. So look at uh, verse 5 and 6. I wait for the Lord, my soul doth wait, and in His word do I hope. My soul waiteth for the Lord more than they that watch for the morning. I say, more than they that watch for the morning. Okay, so look at the resolution of the author. (laughs) No, it's okay, go back, you're fine. Um, Look at the resolution of the author. He says, I'm going to wait. I don't know what's going on in this situation, but I will wait for the Lord. My soul doth wait. Okay, so our key question is this. What does it mean for someone to say, my soul doth wait? What does it mean for someone to say, my soul doth wait? That's like a, like, what do you mean your soul waits? What does your soul wait? Your soul's there anyways. It's not going to do anything different. Um, I did a study on the words soul and wait. And you guys can go a little bit further. But I just put up the five references um, or sorry, the four references that, that really impacted me. So, uh, Psalm 56.6 says, They gather themselves together, they hide themselves. They mark my steps when they wait for my soul. Uh, Psalm 59.3 says, For lo, they lie and wait for my soul. They, the mighty are gathered against me, not for my transgression, nor for my sin, O Lord. Psalm 62.5, My soul, wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from Him. Psalm 71.10, For mine enemies speak against me, and they that lie wait for my soul take counsel together. Okay, so these four are the first four references when you put in the word soul and wait in your Bible search engine. You know when we, we, have, we do Bible study and we all tell you to pull out blue letter Bible? It's because of moments like this. When you're like, I have a question and I have no idea how to answer it. Great. Go in your Bible search engine and type that out. And these are what will show up. And at first I was like, well, this doesn't tell me anything. But it actually tells me everything that I need to know. These are all examples of David 
being vexed to his very soul, being persecuted, being downtrodden. These are examples of the moments when David is actually fleeing for his life. Like, I don't know if you understand this, like, if you understand this or not, but like, they gather themselves together, they hide themselves, they mark my steps when they wait for my soul. I've had enemies in my life, but I've never had someone who tried to like murder me or take my soul, you know? I've never had someone who literally just wants to get rid of me off this earth. At least I don't think so. I went to a school with some weird people, but none of them confessed a murderous hate for me, so that's good. Um, but my point is, is, is that what he's literally saying here is that these people have actually got him to the core. They've shook him. They're, they've... They've lie and wait for him. So the first four are people who are trying to actually persecute him. The only exception is this, Psalm 62.5. My soul wait thou only upon God. He's talking to his very soul right here. And what he says is, for my expectation is from him. But here's the last, here's the last reference of um, the word soul and wait. Lamentations 3.25. The Lord is good unto them that wait for Him, to the soul that seeketh Him. That's the next slide. The Lord is good unto them that wait for Him, to the soul that seeketh Him. It was like God was saying, Hey, I know these people are literally coming after you and your soul, but don't worry. If you wait on me, I'll be good to your soul. Whatever they try to do, I'm the only one who's actually in control of your soul here. Key point number two, those who wait on the Lord will have true patience in times of trouble. Those who wait on the Lord will have true patience in time of trouble. Um, That only comes from God. That only comes from God's Word. We'll read verse 5 again. Gotta scroll up. Should have put it down there. My bad. Verse 5, I wait for the Lord. My soul doth wait, and in His Word do I hope. That word wait is a state of being, just as much as it is an action. I wait for the Lord. I don't know if you guys are in a state where you feel like you're waiting on the Lord, but it literally may be weeks or months while you're waiting on the Lord for an answer, or while you're waiting on the Lord to lift you out of this place. That's okay. Continue to wait on the Lord. Don't stop. And, there, and, and the, the, the patience comes from this. In His Word, do I hope. It's not on your ability. It's not on anything else. You need to look at the promises of God in situations like these. And then key point number three. Those who wait on the Lord will have God's answer to their problem, not their own. Um, is the, are the verses there? The Psalm 33. Yeah. Can you go back to the one in between key point two? There we go. Okay, so look at these verses. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and He shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. I don't know if you guys have looked at the word shall. I look at the word shall sometimes, and I and I just remember that that's a promise, right? Like, um, in 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, it says that they shall be other to teach others also. Here, it's the same thing. He shall strengthen thy heart. That's a promise from the Lord. That's a promise in Psalm chapter 27. 
Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and He shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say on the Lord. Psalm 119, 114. Thou art my hiding place in my shield. I hope in thy word. Again, you're hiding in the Lord, not in yourself. You're hiding not in what the world can offer you, not in what your wisdom can offer you. You're hiding in the Lord. And then Psalm 33, 20. Our soul waiteth for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. Again, our soul waiteth for the Lord. Um, we can try and muscle our way through these trials in life. We can try and figure out what we need to feel better or do better or whatever combo you say that makes you feel better. But at the end of the day, if you just wait for the Lord, He will be your help and He will be your shield. And that is, that is promised from Scripture. Okay, we're almost done. Verse 7 and 8. Let Israel hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy, mercy, and with Him is plenteous redemption, and He shall redeem Israel from all His iniquities. Um, we can't quite take the promises of Israel and apply them to the church. That's not how that works. But um, we can take the promises of Israel inspirationally and see it similarly. Israel is God's chosen people. The church in this dispensation is God's people. It's how He's working through the, the promises are different, but they're very similar. And also for the individual believer, they're very similar too. You can say, I'll hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy, and with Him is plenteous redemption, and He shall redeem me from all my iniquities. You can say that. It's not stealing Israel's promises. It's looking at them and saying, God's word says that the same way for me as it does for Israel. And so I, I don't know where you're at today, but um, I hope after this you realize that there is a place of victory you can live in. There is a place of victory you can live in. God has redeemed us from his iniquities, from our iniquities. He's done it by his son. I mean, he gave his very son for us. His, his, his son shed his blood on the cross. And he, was, he died and he was buried and he rose again on the third day. And because of that, I have eternal life. And you, believer, have eternal life because you believed on that and you repented of your sin. And that is, a, that is a state of victory. But every day, also, God can cleanse you of your sin. And God can make you new. Um, I, I didn't put it up there, but Lamentations 3 also says that God's mercies are new every single morning. And we have to, we have to understand that. Um, I have victory in Christ because who He made me to be, because of the life I now live in that victory. Galatians 2.20 says this, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave Himself for me. And I think about, it's really hard to see what I bolded here. <laughs> that ruins the whole point. I think about this part. The life which I now live in the flesh. Okay, that sounds bad, but here it is. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. I don't actually even live by my own faith. I live by the faith of the Son of God. I live my life based on what Christ did for me on the cross and what Christ does for me when, that, when He intercedes for me bef uh, to the Father. That's the life I live. That is victory if I choose it. But that's a, that's a walk. That's a state of being. That requires me to be walking in the grace that God has given me. 
to not be despairing over the things I can't fix. To not be despairing over the person I'm not going to be. And just living exactly who God has called me to be. Um, so if you're here today and you're not saved, you don't, you've maybe heard um, for the first time that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. Um, it is the most important thing you can absolutely talk to anybody about. And I recommend you talk to somebody today about it. But maybe you're here and you've been saved and you've been coming to this church and you've been hearing me flap my gums for a long time now. And you're like, okay, Brock, what's the point? The point is this. like, No matter where you're at, God will meet you exactly where you're at. When you're in the fire, God meets you. He's right there in the fire. When you're on the mountaintop, God meets you on the mountaintop. Wherever you're at, continue to walk in the grace that God has given you. And if you're in that, that, that dark place, if you're in that place where you're like, man, I'm just... Even my shadow doesn't want to follow me around. I'm so depressing. Like, even if you're in that place where you feel like nothing matters, you're apathetic, you're depressed, whatever it is, God can actually meet you exactly where you're at. And God wants to meet you where you're at. You don't have to have the answers. In fact, don't have the answers. Come to God. Just give it to Him and let Him work it out. And if you don't know what that means, come talk to your mentor, a counselor, any one of them. Or in main service, go pray up front. I'd be happy if one of you pulled me and said, Hey, can we go pray about this? I'd be so happy. Alright, let's pray and we'll be done here, okay? Uh, Father, I just thank you so much for this day, and I thank you for this group. Um, I love them very much, and, and God, I'm so thankful for this word. Um, God, I know for me it was good uh, to re- be reminded to wait on you. Uh, God, I know I, I often want to come up with my own answers and come up with my own things. And, and Lord, it's never been about that. It's never been about answering... Um, the questions of life. It's been about coming to you who has all the answers to the questions. Um, God, would we just be vulnerable before you? Would we just be honest with ourselves with where we're at? Um, it can be confusing. It can be unsettling uh, to think you're not in a right relationship with you. But, but Lord, it's the most important thing we can admit. So Father, as we um, wrap up here today and as we go into main service and hear Pastor Jeff preach there, uh, God, I just pray for our hearts to be um, right with you. To just be, yeah, Lord, above all else, just to be right with you. God, we love you. We praise you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.